This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, Episode 11. Really, this, is, this business is about people and you win with people, right? This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, NSCA Head Coach Scott Caulfield. With me today, my good friend and Associate Director of Strength and Conditioning at the University of Minnesota, Cal Deet. Scott, welcome to the show. Scott, thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, doing this and hosting this uh, clinic that you're having up here at the headquarters. And really have a great group of people today, and it was, uh, it was awesome being here. Yeah, and for our listeners, we are live at the fourth annual NSCA Hockey Clinic. Pretty exciting. You were out here, uh, I think you spoke at the first one. And yes, I'm not maybe another one or is this the oh, yeah, second no, time? Yeah, no, I think been you've been a couple. Times, yeah. yeah, so I know they all start to run together. This is a really great one. Great weather. Um, everybody came in, had a great time. Who who's? Uh, I know you've been here uh, listening in. Who's? Uh, talks have you liked the most that you uh, saw so far? I thought Devin did a really good job um, in the. Uh, you know, he, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting how you may be able to see influences that you've had on people and then how you trade ideas and just get their spins. I mean, those talks were, uh, were great. You know, I think, uh, and just getting all the, just all the different views and just application for me is, is at this point, I think, uh, a big deal when you're, when you're trading at these, uh, coaches clinics, if you can get some theories, that's great, but I like to see application the way people coach. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, and so that brings up a good point. Like you go to a lot of these, you speak at a lot. I go to a lot of these, like what's your, um, method or what's your best recommendation? Like, how do you take something that you learned here today and then put it into application? I think my biggest thing that I've always tried to understand when a coach tries a new method or exercise, what they saw, but ultimately why they're doing it, because you can see it, but until you know why they're doing it and what their thinking process was, to me, that's, if I can understand their thinking process and then I can get the true benefit out of, and then I'm able to say, okay, that would go into my program, you know, month or training block three and six, you know, right, for that right. example, because um, I, as long as I can understand where they're going with it and what they're doing. Um, now, I visited coaches who maybe I thought I would have put it somewhere else in their program, but where they were using a certain exercise. But until I understand their for their, their full reasoning, then I, then I knew why it was there. You know, yeah, I knew right, why right. it was at that point. So, um, for me, if I can just now that may also be a follow up question. Yeah, hey, when yeah. I see something on a slide, I'm like, man, I just need to ask him why exactly. You know, right, right, so right. and you don't always want to put somebody on the spot. So that question can be can be a little bit tricky right, in, a, right. in a public setting, you yeah, know, hey, yeah. why are you doing it like that yeah. or right here? Maybe that's a hallway Yeah, that's a hallway conversation afterwards. often. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, people, yeah, I think people yeah. appreciate that yeah. uh, a little bit. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the other sports some from time to time can seem, you know, a little uh, guarded or, you know, not sharing. Do you think hockey – strength coaches because it seems like a small community are kind of more willing to help each other out or just it seems like there's a lot more camaraderie within the hockey strength coaches that I've seen I think yeah because there's somewhat of a little bit maybe they, they feel it's a niche maybe you know what I mean yeah. not a niche sport but because it's such 
it's pretty popular, but hey, we're all in this together. You know, we're trying to make people better. So I, I do feel that, you know, where you get to maybe an elite track sprinter, they're not going to let you, a coach may not let you see their their, their lifting programs for, yeah. you know, an elite world-class sprinter. You know, and I think the team sports actually fall under that a little bit better for sharing because, you know, all the variables – um, there's so many variables in hockey. I mean, if you think about it, you may have the fastest and the, the most conditioned team, but if that goalie stands on his head, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you may not win that day, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? So yeah. um, I think they're, they're more willing to share because like, coaching is a big factor, actually, the, the technical and the, the tactical part of the sport. Where conditioning, um, if we, we are all in this, I think, together. So, you know, in a, in a, a track coach might hide or a swimming coach might hide their protocols right. because it's like a training sport. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. we're hockey. We train hard, but there's so many other variables that sure. exist. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah, it's yeah. not the one train. Even the best training system's not going to prevail. You just right, get the best right. players. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably that's a great point. And what's yeah. the other someone's other cliche was like the best training program is probably the one that you're not currently on right now. But <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, you talked about kind of like the why behind it. So like, what's your what's your why? Uh, you know, for being a strength coach and getting into this profession? Um, you know, I've always been passionate about winning. Um, and I always want, you know, always want to be involved in sports. I went to college. Uh, I was fortunate to win three national titles in college. And I, that was like, I, I knew and I had coaches impact me in my career. You know, and my, my father played sports and it was a focus in our house. So, um, why I got in there was I think I can help kids have a great experience. And along with that was winning, you know, because, and I've said this many times that some days, especially when I was young, winning was more important than breathing in most yeah, cases, yeah. right? Um, but, you, you know, you're driven. But the why was, hey, it, for me, it's like if I can walk into the arena and look at a team and say, hey, you can't beat us today because we're well prepared and we're ready to go. And, you know, if we just play the way we're supposed to, you can't beat us. And I just wanted to be able to say that, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but, you know, the impact that you see on kids, like, I didn't really understand the impact I had on kids. I knew that coaches had it on me. But now that you're 20 years down the road of coaching, you're going, and, and you have these reunions and kids come back and see you and text you when there's there's issues or something, you're going, yeah. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. Right. You know the impact right. we've had. So, um, I guess my why shifted a little bit more to say, hey, I've had a huge influence on kids that okay. I didn't even know yeah. that you don't even know that you had right. that influence right. on. Right. I mean, that's pretty gratifying. Yeah, yeah, and it, I mean, I think from like your coaching philosophy standpoint, right? You mentioned like you want to win, but then there's times when you end up with a really crappy team some year, yes. and you're like, well, I know we're not going to win, so now. How do you change that, like, mindset? Because you know you're not going to win. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I still think athletics is a great metaphor for life in regards to, hey, you put in work, you're going to think good things are going to happen. You're going to get more, lucky more often. You know, you're going to win more games than they think you could have. Right. You know, there's there's monumental successes even when life uh, is a struggle. And I think that's why I felt, you know, it's vital importance for my kids to play athletics because it is a great metaphor for a lesson for learning. I mean, physical culture. I don't know any other place where you can have so many failures in a game and still win because you've got to keep going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's to me, that's what athletics is great about our culture. That's why I think it's important. Many, many cultures may not feel that it's that important, but to have a culture where, hey, you just teach 
just just you know resilience and that's what to me athletics does is show you you can you can train have a process and get better yeah no, I 100% agree and you know, we are we are fortunate to live in a world where we have that the, the uh, chances to be involved in so many different sports well I mean look at we're setting an organization and world headquarters that is a support of right. athletics really right. we're support yeah. staff if yeah. you really look right. at it and right. We have an organization like this in our country that that is willing, that has this much impact, and you're yeah. going. Most countries they they don't have anything. You know what I mean? Right. And, yeah. and if you're not, if the NSCA is not in that country, then they may not have anything. Right. To be honest with you, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're very fortunate yeah. to get it. The NSCA's helped me and help people and promote the the business so that we can have good paying jobs and, and support our families. Why we're doing something that we love. Yeah. Right. Yeah, when oh for sure it's it's hard to believe right sometimes when you tell people about like what you do as a coach and actually the guy that's funny story the guy that I get I buy a half a cow from this cop local cop every year and go right. out to put you, pick it up from the butcher and I was just telling the but the guy and his wife about what I do and blah blah and they're like wow you're you're one of those people that loves their job. We've heard about you. Yes. We've heard about people like right. you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, love my job. Like, yeah, that's all. I mean, exactly. You know, the thing for me is, too, like the interaction of, of people every day that, that walk in the weight room and, and you get to talk to them. And that that's the great thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. And then have a genuine concern about their their general well-being to say, hey, this is what you got to do to get better. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And so you mentioned, you know, NSCA has been an influence. Obviously, it's a you know leading organization. Where when did you kind of first start like hear about it, or maybe go to a clinic, or you know? Yeah, well, you know, actually, um, I started coaching twenty years ago. Um, I knew about it then, and then people would. I, I started doing my talks. My original talks, shoot, I've I think I did them for free. Or my first paid was a fifty dollar talk. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then I just tried, kept doing talks, and the NSCA would. Uh, asked me to speak. I actually Scott Solly, the oh, yeah. regional director yeah. out of the Midwest, once I got to Minnesota yeah. and he asked me to talk and I remember my first talk, I made sure I got well prepared. Um, when I say that because I hadn't talked much now, I mean I can I can make some slides and go, okay, I know exactly what I'm gonna say, obviously because I've I've said it a bunch, but that one you're going, oh man, I might spend fifteen hours getting that first talk ready, you know? Just try to do a good job and, and always and you know and he appreciated all the help and promoting it to uh even before i i had even gotten certified I, I was helping him promote things in minnesota yeah. you know and and throughout the midwest to say hey this is what we're going to do and get people here and push students there and i remember i actually telling him i'm like scott I, I think we have a market for students i think you need to call headquarters and if there's somebody that doesn't have a degree that's not certified that's a student like let's get them into these clinics really cheap yeah. you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and he he did that you know yeah. what i mean and i think that because that's our future you know right. more people right. come into the field so that, it started many years ago and it's yeah. something i've been a part of for a long time yeah no it's great we i appreciate you because i ask you a lot so <laughs> i always appreciate it when you're willing to come help us out well <laughs> it's great to be a part of an organization like this and you've been at uh, uh, Minnesota, a long time now. Um, you know, not all strength coaches um, can say that, right? A lot you see a lot of moving around. Yes. Kind of what's been some keys to, uh, you know, staying in a position for that long of a well, time? Yeah, you know, when I first got there, actually, the job. I mean, people turned it. Uh, some people went on the interview. It wasn't a great situation. It wasn't. There's was a lot of teams. Yeah. You know, I, I was early in the profession when you had 12 teams right. in a GA right. with right. me. Yeah. So some people actually 
went on the interview. They didn't turn it down because I, I got offered, but they actually pulled out after the interview. Okay. There was four people interviewed, to my understanding, yeah. and because it. And I, I'm like, well, this is a Big Ten job. I'm like, I'm. There's no question. I'm going to take it. And I, you know, and, and I think it took me two to three years to get the job where I thought it was a good job. Then, right, right, because it wasn't ideal at, at the sure. beginning. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you got to get your programs going. So, uh, you know, I think some people need to. The kids nowadays and young coaches, even if it's not a good job right away maybe make it the job that you want it to be because yeah. it's a good job now that my job actually right. you know what right, I mean right. um, being there 17 years and I've been a part of like 34 Big Ten titles and 11 national championships and with the coaches that I've worked with and the good people and even though you know I've had times where there haven't been great coaches to work with but there's always good ones to work with so don't give up really in a situation. Now, if a better opportunity comes, obviously that's something I sure. take, but sure. but don't get frustrated. Hey, keep making the job better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it's been one of the keys I think is actually I never got, I was always focused on what am I going to do next here versus where am I going to go? Right. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, because yeah. I mean, I, I looked at my list the other day. I have a list of projects that I got, I remember right around 111 that I need to do. <laughs> so if they fired me, I think it'd take me three more years to get that done if I didn't do any other work, you know, no coaching. So right. um, I always have a list of things that I need to get done. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you do, I know just from talking to you, you know, a bunch of different times, like you've tapped into a lot of the resources at Minnesota. Yeah. And I think that's a huge asset for other coaches to know hey, there's all these other departments yes. that you could work together with. And, you know, I know some other people, Matt Shaw's done a great job of getting yes. help at Denver, but talk a little bit about some of the things you've done right. in Minnesota. My first thing was, you know, I reached out to, well, kinesiology didn't help me very much. You know, they they're, uh, they call it R1 research school where they get all these grants and their main objective is exercise and diabetes maybe on one professor right. another guy and i was like well if, if uh, they're too busy or whatever it may be i'm, I'm gonna go to the engineering department and you know these mechanical engineering students are really bright and they you know we we use force plates and now they didn't know what to look for right. but they could get the machines turned on for me yeah. and, and actually analyze it. and then they would bring things from a different perspective so and i helped them with their dissertations or you know or, or research yeah. projects that, that I gave them plans to. So, that you know, engineering was like, yeah, if, if we got a bunch of kids that needs projects. Like, and it might be walking with a cane, how the force plates change. And the, like, they would use my force plates for that. And I, I was like, well, it's a little bit more work for me. But I'm like, you know, I'm able to help them. And But then in turn, they helped me on a number of fronts. Well, triphasic training was, was based upon the engineering students finding what was going on. Yeah. You know, seriously. Like, and I was like, that was 20, 18 years ago, 17, I'm going... Wow. So that's really what, what transpired some yeah. of the thinking. So, it, and it's a little more work at times, but, but ultimately I felt it was a, is a pretty good uh, situation to reach out. Now, look, at first, don't burn any bridges, you know, because yeah, yeah. people that said no at first heard about some things that we were doing later and right. then were willing to jump on yeah, board. So, sure. so never burn bridges yeah. in those situations, yeah, yeah. even if somebody's just busy, maybe caught them at the wrong time. Right. Uh, right. One of the unique professors I met was uh, Victor uh, Koschev. He had three doctorate degrees from the Soviet Union, MD, and two PhDs. He was in charge of the Soviet space program. Um, he was a chief medical officer for Chernobyl, defected oh, wow. in 92. We, we were working on some thermal dynamics, and people said, well, he's not very friendly. And I'm thinking, okay, he's Russian. How am I going to talk to this guy, right? And he actually got me introduced to heart rate variability because the reason they found it was uh, they sent an astronaut into space 
and they had to, I think they had to bring him back because he had an appendix problem. And they, they reviewed all the data and saw that there was a fluctuation in his heart rate. Huh. So that would have saved, you know what I mean? Yeah. The guy's yeah, going to yeah. die up there if they right. don't bring him right, right. or something yeah. like that. So uh, what I do, and he wasn't very friendly supposedly, I show up first day with a bottle of vodka. He's Russian, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and that kind of opened the door. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, well. Yeah, just, whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah whatever it takes. Yeah. So, you know, those things are, uh, and he, because yeah. I asked him about adaptogens because he actually, he actually signed off on a lot of the adaptogen work. You know, he didn't do it because yeah. there was another there was another researcher over there. But he got to see all the sub, you know, the memos and everything of, okay. of what they were doing with adaptogen work. It was pretty wow. amazing. Wow. Yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, it's it's just like <laughs> unique and hey, you just got to keep trying to get better, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And just building that relationship or that friendship or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah, with, yeah. with vodka. With vodka. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So. And I mean, he was still, so it was 92 when he defected to three. I mean, he, he was still a communist. Yeah, he thought communism yeah, was, was good. Yeah. <laughs> so at that time, so. Yeah. Well, how about, how about then with uh, difficult sport coaches? I'm sure, like you said, you've ran into your share of those too. Uh, what's the keys to working with a coach that may have uh, unrealistic expectations or just, you know, they think that they know training and. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the big thing has been with a coach's difficult, unrealistic expectations is you actually got to uh, take some serious hard numbers. I think I'm not a big, I don't want to test all the time, but when you get that feeling that a coach is like, maybe going to start questioning you, you need to have some numbers to back it up. Yeah. Like first day freshman walks in and, and they're like, Hey, this kid, you know, he's, he's this and this and this. And I'm like, well, you know, this, I had a kid that benched 300 or he was 350 pounds and he couldn't bench more than 185. Yeah. And I did the math. I'm like, I don't think you can do a push up, And he couldn't when we did that. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the realistic expectations they had, you know, yeah. you're like, well, coach, he's, this is what, you know what yeah. I mean? Our, our guard that walked in at 180 pounds can bench 230. <laughs> I'm like, so I think the testing can help you, but the the problem is, is then the general athleticism, you know, because this all really comes down to recruiting because you right. get better athletes and they're going to sure. respond better. So, and then, you know what, I, I think it's truly, you have to understand how to communicate with a coach because not all communication methods are the same and, and you don't want to offend them by saying this is wrong and, or what they're already doing isn't right. But you actually may, I found that, well, coach, I think you could do that at this time of the year. Then you may want to look at doing it this way at this time of the year because yeah, then it yeah. works together. So you don't want to sell them on, you know, because the one thing a coach may say, hey, I'm just trying to crush them to get some mental toughness. I'm like, all right, we got a window for that. That's fine. Right. But then we need to get some good quality work in. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. We'll, okay, so we'll, we'll do this for three weeks and we'll get good quality work in for six yeah. or something. Yeah. But he's like, I want to make a statement, which I'm not big on. But, hey, right. Right. it's his ship. He's going to get fired you know yeah. so yeah. I, you got to work with them and communicate with them and and don't don't tell them their methods aren't exactly optimal but say hey here's how we can manipulate it over time to change it to get the best out of yeah. you know and hopefully they drop their bad methods if there's any bad methods right. you know what i mean right. but and, and then each year a coach may switch it up because the team's different i truly believe how you manage a team you know you get a bunch of freshmen you got to be on top of them as a strength coach yeah for sure. But you get a bunch of veterans. Like I tell people, my some of my senior class, if I change an exercise up, if I name it correctly, they actually may know it. Right. <laughs> because they've yeah. seen all the naming. If yeah. you keep the naming yeah, yeah. consistent, they, they, they actually may figure out the exercise. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but that's just being in a place for a number of years, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, the, 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 the hard part is these coaches, you know, I think 
they haven't had the physiology that we have. Right. You know, so they've only they've only learned. And if you, if you get outside of, of track and maybe swimming, there's not much physiology in yeah. many of this. You know, they're, they're great technical coaches sure. right. or uh, tactical coaches. Like yeah. uh, my hockey coaches know where the ice is or where to be on the ice, you yeah. know. Um, and even the, the, the tactical coaches may know where to be on the ice, but they don't know the little small details of a wrist shot or a, sure. you know what I mean? Yeah. But we're the best tactical coaches, I think, in the, in the world. But do they know the technical part of it? You right. know what I'm saying? So um, now swimming and running, obviously, they need to know that technical part of it. But you're like, I think, uh, I think you need to know your coach's shortfalls. But uh, many of them haven't had the physiology or the understanding of training. Swimming and track coaches, sure. Yeah. But, you know, hockey coach, does he understand lactate? Does he really right. understand all this? And how the fluctuations of a kid when they're tired and how to get them back in a flush practice, really. That's what we got to educate them. So we're educators at the sure. kids' level yeah. and the coaching level. Because right. my coaches will listen to me. They just listen to me now, yeah. right? Yeah. But that, that didn't happen yeah. for a long right. time, right, you know, right, right. so and don't get frustrated. Yeah. You just got to keep presenting it in the right way, because right. what one coach hears and likes the other coach, he may not like it that way. Or right. you, so you got to right. re-communicate and uh, yeah. take ownership, uh, you know, the book Extreme Ownership. If, if, yeah. if you didn't relay the message well enough, you got to you got to own that and try to re-educate him in another way or yeah. whatever it may yeah. be. So oh, that's a great point. Yeah. And one of one of them might understand what are you getting at. And the other one might not. So you have to figure out a different way to put that message across hundred percent. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, how about when you're looking for, um, assistant coaches, what kind of qualities are you looking for? And also I guess two part kind of, what would you recommend like a typical up and coming coaches path be like, is there a specific stuff they need to study exactly and read and certification and blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, what are you looking for when you hire people? Um, you know, uh, I think the first, it kind of goes hand in hand. I want somebody that's driven, that's willing to, you know what I mean? Put to, to never stop trying to search and, and learn. And obviously, uh, the journals, but, uh, I think the NSA journals and the new work that there's coming out, you're like, analyze the the uh the research but then can you make it better and, and can you like build on that i want somebody that's inquisitive honestly the best the most developmental times i've had is when i've had assistants that have that have questioned me yeah. the most because yeah. then we solve problems together yeah. and, and when you can get four or five coaches in a room and they're all into solving problems look cal can we do this better and i'm going well, let's let's put it on the board and let's try it yeah Whatever I mean, that's when we make. And you know, I've had some um, uh, some thirty assistants maybe over the years, and you're just going, man, those were the best times when they started questioning me. And a lot of people don't like being questioned. Right. You know what I mean? That's yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah. But I've always questioned myself. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So um, I, I think adaptability in a young coach is important because let's let's face, it, I only have to deal with two coaches now. But when I first came to the University of Minnesota, I had to deal with twelve. So, and they all had different personalities. Right. So I think how you manage it and, and sell yourself to these, it has to be individualized to the person that you're dealing with, you know what I mean? Right. So right. if a person is, can, can that emotional intelligence to pick on, pick up on a, another coach that you're, you're answering to the head coach and say, hey, this is how we want to do it, or, or you know, what do you want to get done? What do you need? Um, I think that young coach, just in that social concept of uh, being able to, 
to, to identify, hey, maybe my communication skills aren't, aren't what they should be with this coach. And because that's the first thing I say, hey, if you're going to talk to this coach, I would I'd worry. Here's how he thinks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, and I'm not so. You know what? I think coaching eye, as you know, takes a long time to develop. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they, I find that they don't see some things, which I'm okay with, but don't get frustrated about it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So um, have patience. Like, where was I 20 years ago? Man, I was. Yeah. A, I would say I was a mess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But now. I think I'm a little less of a mess, yeah. to yeah. say the least. Right? So, um, but uh, yeah, you know, and ultimately, I think with young coaches, they they want to make their mark. But I mean, let's say I'm going 80 miles an hour. I I came into the field going 10, right, right, and they see me going 80 and doing things, and you're like, well, you just can't jump in at 80. Right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because you you're going to make a lot of mistakes then. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think one of the the, the bad things about people in the profession that that's hurting us a little bit is I use this example when a new staff comes in and you, you usually hear it a lot, but they'll, they'll rip the old staff or the old, you know what I mean? When the right. new season, starts. but, but Scott, I sat here uh, and I look at my kids two weeks after the season ends. So we start a new training yeah. block. It's my GPP block where we haven't done these exercises for three months. They look like they look horrible. Right. I'm thinking, who coached these yeah. guys? Right? But it's because they haven't yeah. done the exercise. Right. And a new coach comes in, he right. often does different ones. Sure. So they'll start Olympic lifts and they go, oh, these kids are horrible Olympic lifters. What right. were they learning before? Well, they weren't doing Olympic lifts. Like, right. we can't right. rip on each other's profession. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I'm telling you, when I, my kids look horrendous the first day back. Yeah. 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 And it's not because they don't know the exercise, right. it's because they, they're getting tired, first of all. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think our profession, we could help each other by. Look, if my so so I have a kid come from an organization that I know they do a good job, but we don't do those lifts. Okay. He comes to my organization, he's going to be bad at all my lifts. Right. Right. I'm not going to rip on that other coach because yeah. the kid doesn't know my. Now look, that kid's really good. In two weeks, he's dialed in now. Yeah. But it's because he's doing different stuff. So yeah. I think if we could, the young coaches, if they could set the field in a, in, a, in a direction that, hey, don't rip on it. You don't know the whole circumstance. You don't know what's going on. And especially after a coaching change, don't rip on the other staff. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah. I hear that a lot. But you're going, my kids look horrendous after the season. Yeah. That's why we start over. That's why right. I have a job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I could give them a piece of paper and, and go home. Right. <laughs> so. No, that's great. Because that's so true about, um, I mean, just from a like thing about, not being negative, not ripping on other people, just seeing the positivity, right? Like, right. hey, these kids aren't hurt at least. Like, people are going to be drawn to people that are more positive yes. and have better energy no matter what, mm -hmm. guaranteed, versus people that are always negative, always talking bad about people. Yeah. Like, you don't want those kind of people around you. No, yeah. no. Just, and why are they doing it? They're making, they're trying to make themselves look better. Yeah. And, and I think a young coach can fall into that. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So I think if they can avoid that, yeah. that, that'll help them in the long run. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I just use this goes, hey, it's a new, it's a new system. These kids got to learn my system. Not yeah. that the old system was bad. Yeah. That's a great point. Uh, you talked about being able to work at 80 miles, uh, you know, 80 miles per hour. What's the, you know, how, how do you maintain 
being married, having kids, having this career, traveling all over the place, speaking, writing a book, <laughs> writing multiple books. Well, um, my first disclosure is I find smart people and identify talented people that can write for me. So <laughs> I've never ID, wrote a book. Like yeah. I mean, I found Ben Peterson. I'm like, wow, can this guy write? He was getting his PhD at the University of Minnesota. Now he's at the Philadelphia Flyers as their sports science guy. And you're just like, okay, this guy could write a book for me. And, yeah, and yeah. then he spent like two years understanding triphasic and I gave him some napkins, <laughs> some stuff and dictated some things on the way to work. And boom, he produced that thing. That, like, that was, yeah. And he actually, it took him two years not to understand triphasic to understand my language, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and then, uh, um, you know what? It's, it's hard because, you know, I sacrifice with uh, the career because all I've, I mentioned in my talk the other day, like all I do is I'm a strength coach and then I'm, I'm a dad. Yeah. I don't go play softball on Tuesday nights. Yeah. You know, I don't do that stuff. So yeah. that's a sacrifice. Like a lot of my friends, I, I catch up on the drive home, maybe from back, from back home in Ohio where yeah. I'm originally from. I get to talk to them on the phone. I don't, you know, yeah. I miss all my alumni golf weekends. I play right. two college right. sports. So I have all that stuff. And yeah. You know, and the, you know, I was a roughneck wrestler at the University of Finley. Um, I played football there, was a team captain, but I don't get back because of the coaching and the, yeah. and the kids. So I sacrifice some things, but I, I try to be a good father and a, and a husband, and ultimately then uh, the University of Minnesota obviously is next. So yeah. you, uh, it's it's a sacrifice to some level, but to be driven and the, the, to be a successful I think you do have to sacrifice some of those things yeah you, you know? make priorities you change yeah. your priorities as you go along yes, right of course. Yeah, yeah. for sure um, when you've had some pretty cool connections at University of Minnesota between like having these NHL guys come back having Dave Ostrin you know pro strongman train like uh, how did you meet Dave like and how did you guys end up you know having him come and train yeah. at well you know he really just a, a friend that was working out to try to make the NFL and uh, he was over training with Dave and then uh, like hey we have a Saturday training session at his house and I'm like all right I'll come over and uh, hung out and Dave just you know you see a big a six foot seven 360 pound man he was a monster <laughs> and took third in the world's strong man you're going wow and he's just humble and a great guy yeah, obviously yeah, as you know super nice. and and dave uh dave's so enjoyable and uh then hey yeah come down to you we'll, we'll train and it's one of our big deals like on, on, we'll train one day a week over at the university i tell people i exercise six days a week <laughs> yeah. or five and then i train one day a week with dave <laughs> right, that's the but real I mean, day to see a guy uh, you know dave dave just missed <laughs> 900 once in the in the gym on our deadlift cycle so you know to be a six foot six guy and seven and, and deadlift c 840 yeah. or 60 pounds come off the floor right, right. travel that whole length up you're like wow is that uh, that's <laughs> impressive yeah. so um but you know what that's he's a friend and, and the good people and usually the if, if you're in this field a long time you usually got to be a good person so yeah. if you've been in this yeah. field for 20 years you're usually you've been filtered out yeah there's yeah. a lot of people that have been filtered out you for know sure I mean? and these are my friends so this is why I enjoy coming to these clinics here because yeah, yeah. I also get to see people that I, I, I trust and I, I like and I enjoy spending time with. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. Like-minded people. Right. Because if you're in this field right. for 20 years, like if you look at all my friends, they're very driven. Yeah. yeah. You know, from friends from college, I, I, I'm friends with the people that were captains before me, the captains that were after me and the, on the same college teams I played, yeah. you know, the people I talk to now and enjoy, they're driven, they've been in the field and they're trying to get better. Those are yeah. the type of people I'll, 
I enjoy hanging out with. That's cool. Yeah. I know I've connected with a few people I was in the Navy with and they've been like, wow, man, like you're doing, you were doing what you were talking about doing back then. Like, and not that I didn't realize it at that time. Right. It's like, but it just happens. And, um, yeah. Have you, so back to the book or triphasic, like when did you kind of figure out like that was a thing, a thing worth a method worth sharing with the world? Like when did you, have this moment that you were like, man, I need to really tell people about this. You know, I, it, it was trial and error through the track and field team and the swimming as we got, uh, as we got, we started, we were playing with methods and then um, triphasic with the undulated model. Like I actually had it all wrong at first. And many people think I got it right, right away. Like, look, no, I missed it. I missed it many times. But when you get it right, then you're going, okay, something happened. Yeah. My track coach was going, Cal, all right, I'm flying 90s. Time, or flying 30s or 20 times they basically it was built off that yeah okay and that's how we structured our week with the undulated shifted model and then the triphasic we knew they would have some deficits of, of the running in the beginning but we thought it by the end six eight weeks from the time we started they saw some pretty elite times yeah. and we're going wow everybody's getting better yeah. so so we nailed it and i didn't even have it so, so my interns from 17 years and 16 years ago were like you were doing it back then. I'm like, yeah, but I didn't have a name for it. I didn't even know what it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Right. I just said, oh, it's it's right. a cycle of eccentric. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it dawned on me that that's what because I well really Mel Siff came out of um, super training with right. that he had the term triphasic in there. Okay. Because each dynamic movement has three phases. The eccentric. Right. So yeah. that's why I just basically took the term, yeah. Yeah. created the training cycle with it. So um, and that was about 17 years ago to 18 that um, it, I was starting to refine it. I got some great results and then what transpired, I started telling people about the block of it, but again, I didn't have a name until about 10, 11 years ago. And I started speaking on it and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm not getting its message across yeah, to the yeah, fullest yeah. Gotcha. effect. Yeah. And I'm like, I, we got to write a book. And then Ben came into my life what, about eight years ago or nine maybe. And then he, uh, he interned with me, got his master's PhD. And then we decided to write the book, which is, came out about six and a half years ago now, I think. And uh, then people started getting because we, we could yeah. explain the whole concept, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. So yeah. um, that's that's been the kind of progression that cool. has transpired. Yeah. I've been very blessed with in regards to, you know, I get emails every day saying, "Hey, I, I did this and we got these results." And I'm like, right. "Wow, yeah. I'm not taking credit for right, that, right, those yeah. results because each coach that I think it, it exploded because." It's just a concept coaches put in their own program. Yeah, they can understand it really yeah, easily. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, it, it, it fits with all these other programs. I know yeah. I hear people at, at West Side put it in their methods yeah. or the Juggernaut or, you know, or 531 yeah. people, you know, all those different, any yeah. method it works. Yeah. You know, even if it's just machine training. Right. You can do right. it eccentrically. You can do it mathematically. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, I thought it was cool. I think last year we talked or a couple a while back and you said you know you'll have a guy email you and he might even be some in, in high school setting or college and he's got like a, be, a better pro he has yeah. it better than you did right. and you're like oh. wow this guy has dialed no. in better than i do <laughs> yeah. yeah no i, I mean i my programs have evolved when i released triphasic because people sent me samples i'm like I like this, so yeah, I just put yeah. it in there. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, no, it's I released that information, and then people gave me more information back. Yeah, and, you know that's what it's all about, right? Yeah, yeah that's exciting. That's cool. That is cool. Um, we talked a little bit too about um, you know the building relationships with coaches and whatnot. Um, obviously, 
networking is a huge part of strength and conditioning kind of how do you build your network and you know how do you keep in touch with all these people that you reach yeah. out to you and how do you manage all the requests that you get and yeah it's uh you know it's tough i you actually have to learn to say no on, on some fronts obviously yeah. you know um i try not to uh, try never to say no to especially a young coach but i will pass them maybe if it's a question i can just pass it off to my assistants i know they can answer it but you know, I'll try. You know, I may pay. A, I may play phone tag for a month with somebody, but yeah. we we eventually get there unless it's extremely pressing. Yeah. Um. You know, but yeah. You know, Brian Mann. If I could make sure I call him every month or two, yeah. you know, yeah. I feel pretty good about that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. And then you know, uh, coming to these is a big deal. Obviously, the the clinics. And then uh, I don't know. I don't know if I do a great job of it, but uh, but you know, you, you don't talk to somebody for a year or see him that's driven in the field and you get to catch up. Hey, they all, everyone understands the business. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I, you know, it's, it's hard. Uh, social media obviously makes it a little better, but I don't do a very good job of that either. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I all, I think if they produce something that, or, or make a comment, a podcast, I'll send them a note. And, but I, I like, uh, I don't know. I, I wish I had more time as a coach to, to, to reach out more, uh, yeah. I think by giving up more teams over the years, now that I'm down to two with a couple assistants, I'm able to to do a better job of it. But you know, yeah. when you're young, I mean, that's when you should be networking the most. But that's probably right. why I stayed at the University of Minnesota because I didn't network right. that much. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a tough business. And as a young coach, I think it's the most important thing is you're networking and uh, swinging through. And I have an open door policy for people. Like I, you know, I have coaches visit from all over the country, all over the world. All the time because I just let people come in, you know what I mean. So I'm I'm pretty open about that. That's great. No, I appreciate everyone. I know everyone that has come through there is very appreciative of that policy, and not because not everybody's like that. Right. Um, talk about the profession a little bit. Um, what do you think right now is the biggest challenge in the in our profession? And you know, is there a way that you think the NSCA can help? Um, is there something else we could be doing? talked about you know how much you know things have gotten better and you know the way things are going and we've done a lot more we have a lot more coaches back but where where do you see the challenge in the profession you know i'm, I'm thinking if if we're going to try to become better coaches and we have to wear many hats nowadays i think the one thing is maybe maybe make have coaches if, the, if I could say the NCA could do one thing, I would say maybe help coaches with a self-evaluation tool so that, you know, because sometimes you're not aware of the mistakes you're making. Yeah. Now, that may not be the coach taking a test. Maybe the NCA says, hey, here's here's maybe give this to your subordinates to give evaluations on whether it's your coaching or your leadership skills. But I think, you know, questioning everything you're doing and how you're managing stuff is ultimately the way and people that, that becomes uncomfortable though at times you know what I'm saying yeah it's tough um, like one of the, my last I spent some money and got an evaluation done on my personality um, I've had some before but the, the last thing that I kind of shored up was uh, I, I actually might be a very aggressive communicator to people that uh, actually I'm above and below so it doesn't matter if you're you're my subordinate or you're you're above me right it doesn't yeah. I, I might be too aggressive so I have to be concerned when I have dialect on, you know, if it's if it's just um, a secretary who who's just started, like I'm very reserved in how my communication yeah, skills yeah, are, yeah, you know, because yeah. I was I'm a very aggressive communicator, not 
because I actually get excited about what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Right, so right. that was an evaluation of my personality yeah. where they say, hey, this is where people are going to not. So I think that's a huge tool for, to, for co- especially a young coach yeah. to be successful because he may run in there and just like a bull in a china shop yeah. where, and then if he can get feedback from people around him. So I don't know, he might have to do that on his own, but if the NSCA could maybe um, help direct it to say, hey, maybe give these people a test, make it, yeah, yeah. you know, and just don't have them sign their names and here's your weak points and here's your strong points yeah. and then you got to evaluate it yourself and try to get better you know what I mean because really this is this business is about people and you win with yeah. people right yeah. if the people around you aren't happy and don't like your, right. your styles then yeah. I'm not just talking athletes I'm talking the, the people you work with you yeah. know so yeah, yeah. Um, and even even something for the head coaches or the coaches above you to say hey where, where can I be better at what what qualities not you know and maybe it's maybe it's just a checklist so yeah hey, I give him a five out of four on this one or four out of five and but I think to be able to evaluate ourselves as a strength coach and not just a general test but maybe a specific one and I think yeah. you know the NSCA because I think that would have helped me yeah. earlier in my yeah. career um, especially in regards to dealing with other people and how they perceive me right you know what I mean because right, right. you know hey I was I was headstrong ready to go and I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings but I may have been like too aggressive in my communications for yeah. sure so yeah there's been some interesting stuff on reflective practice that i've read recently which yeah. is a learning oh, theory course, you know yeah. and like taking it into application for strength and conditioning coaches i think right. is huge um and there was there was just an article last year in uh, scj about it but i think that we could do a lot more on that subject because it would be such a helpful tool well, the tools are starting to come out now where yeah. it's very, like with all the with all the applications and the apps and things, you can yeah. take t- profile tests and so forth. And you're right, like, um, you know, but, but if you look at our field, it's pretty dynamic where you may have to deal with a head coach in a day and you're talking to all these athletes who are, look, realistically, if you, you summarize my, you know, I, I look, I tell my friends in the neighborhood or people that are, let's say he's a CEO or he's a, he runs a division of, of 3M, which is common. I go, yep, I make my living off 18 to 22-year-old men. <laughs> and he's thinking, holy buckets. <laughs> so, I mean, that, like, and he has master's yeah. degree, and, yeah. he, and he, he may be in charge of 100 people in his yeah. division, yeah. but they're, they're well-seasoned people, right. Right? Right, right? I'm dealing with 18 to 20, <laughs> and, and my win and loss record can can feed yeah. my family right so like you know um i think our as a coaching profession the dynamics of our are, are so broad but that's what makes yeah. it good right? right that's what makes it right. great so um any weaknesses in our in our own character sometimes you're not even aware of it yeah. and, yeah, you know yeah. and when you get identified it's often too yeah. late yeah. so i think anything like that yeah that could be see could be because you might be able to do it in a standardized setting in a business because if you're an accountant you're dealing with numbers all day but i got to deal with 18 year old kids and head coaches so i think our profession as a college strength coach or even a professional it's a little different you know i mean so i think a a test a standardized test may not give a true reflection of what we are weak at if that makes sense yeah no totally and you talked about like technology and we were just talking about this uh at a conference i spoke at last week two weeks ago um you know what about using video on yourself as a coach because if you think about this what if i have never seen myself coach and then i'm videoing myself and then when i review it like you had mentioned earlier what if i have all these freshmen that need help developing as in lifting but i spend 
85% of that hour or whatever time with the most advanced athletes um, or if I'm just standing off in the corner observing yep. only one rack. So right. I think video analysis it, yes. for yourself as a coach would be That's a huge true. reflective practice. No, there's no question. I actually probably need to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, I stole that from somebody. I didn't no, come right. up with that. So, <laughs> but, when, but when I said it, I was like, I need to tell people this because <laughs> right. think about it. We all talk about this. Oh, yeah, we're going to get this and the iPad and video of these kids and then yeah, what do you, where do you, how, I would love to get the, like, get the, get the GPS on yeah, you and see how sure. many steps you took. Oh man, I didn't, right. I didn't move at all. Right, 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 right. I suck. <laughs> no, that's, that's actually a great, great point, man. Well, you know what? I mean, what could, what, why not do that for the interns and say, Hey, yeah. look at this. Here's me. Here's where I need to get better. Yeah. And then let them run a group and they, yeah. Yeah. film them and not know it. Say, Hey, look at this. You know, that'd be cool. Well, and then like you said too, right? If you start doing these things, you're doing some self-evaluation techniques and maybe you're just doing your strength staff. Chances are your sport coach might hear about it or see you do it. Hey, oh, what are you guys doing? Oh, well, we do this, you know, just with us. And, yeah. Oh, really? Well, oh, yeah. can, I, can I see that? I'll, I'm just going to look at yeah, it. Yeah, right. right? Or maybe, right. They, maybe they steal it from you because exactly. they're like, wow, these guys are trying to get better. Well, you know, I, I often, and I don't know many schools, that I haven't heard of too many, but, uh, you know, as the head coaches, they're kind of driving a lot of the ship in the athletic department. But I, I you know, and they're often graded on wins and losses and graduation rates, which obviously is important, but I don't, I haven't seen too many administrations actually help the head coach on weak points. Right. You, you, right. See, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I'm hoping that that's a, that could be a paradigm shift at some point because you know, these poor head coaches, there's so much pressure. Yeah. And uh, many of them are actually open-minded to it when they find out that they, right. Right. you know, their communication skills or something's wrong with the way yeah. they manage things. Yeah. But but they're expected to be great managers yeah. and they're great coaches, but that, there's a big difference yeah. between being a great coach and a great head coach. Right. Yeah, no, that was a great story. I think it was about Urban Meyer, and he, you know, was this crazy, yes. typical workaholic, and then you know had that health issue, and realized that like you need to stop being such a jerk too. Like you need to tone down. Yeah, spend some time with your family, reconnect with people. Right. Like right. he was just off the charts. Yeah, right? type A personality, yeah. and it almost killed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that stress is not good. <laughs> um, how about uh? Any specific roadblocks that you would identify that strength and conditioning coaches need to watch out for? Maybe things that you've had happen to you or just things that you've seen other people happen that, you know, are kind of red flags or can burn you out or whatever it is. Um, I think uh, stubbornness can be one that you're not willing to be flexible. You know what I mean? I, I see that where, hey, this coach, he's crazy. And you know what? You may you may disagree with the coach. You may voice your opinion, but when it when it's all set and the, the team's got to go in the right direction, you gotta you gotta deliver the right message in all fronts. You know what yeah, I mean? And yeah. I think that stubbornness with uh, you have to be able to, to to clear that out of your mind. And look, I, I tell people this story. I, I won two national titles in uh, in football, and we ran the wishbone offense. And if I was an offensive coordinator today, I would never run the wishbone, right? First, you need the personnel. Right. And we had the right personnel. But but you're sitting here going, that's not the – but but and not everybody, like, probably believed at the beginning of the year yeah. when we started. Yeah. But by the end of the season, when you're, when you're 10 and 1 and you're going in the quarterfinals for the national championship – 
you believe in that system, right, you, right. But, but that's why it's a system. So yeah. if you can get everybody on the right page and be willing to do it for part of a team and that stubbornness as a coach to say, hey, I know the NSCA says it's this way. I know this is right. But your head coach, you ultimately have to be able to bend a little bit yeah. for that head coach. Sure, we know that. Sure. And then you know you should have a flag saying, I need to educate this coach. Yeah on some of this process, yeah. you know? Yeah, so sure. I think, and it's not always our fault, but sometimes it, it appears that it's our fault, but right. you know, and we want to do what's best and we know what's best most times, right. but some people don't allow us. So yeah. don't be too stubborn yeah. and don't burn any bridges at that point yeah. as a young coach, especially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's too, it's too easy to let that ego take over. Um, yes. And not be more open-minded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Hey, you may be right. Right. But it's, not it's yeah. it's not the way it's going to happen. This situation, this yeah, it's okay to, to even though you know to not say that you are <laughs> right. <laughs> um, cool, kind of winding it down. Um, what would you be doing if you weren't uh, in the strength conditioning profession right now? Twenty years in, if you were in a totally different profession, what do you think you'd be doing? You know what i um, I always wanted to go be a military sniper in the military i knew that uh that was always in the back of my mind um i i, I love my dad got me a uh, rifle when i was young and and uh, i loved shooting long distances and ultimately i thought well if uh after college you know it might be an option to do that and then i had all these coaching opportunities you know i got a yeah. ga at the university so and, uh, and just things i couldn't turn down so yeah. you know to be in the military was would probably yeah. be the the other thing that i would have uh, went into and uh to obviously serve as you did, you yeah. know, was as yeah, important. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, going in there, I, I wanted to be the best I could be. You know what I mean? Yeah, so ultimately yeah. I would, uh, uh, who knows where I would have been or when. I probably might be retiring at this point, right? right. So, right. Um, but uh, if I stayed in the whole time. But, yeah. you, you know, that's that was the route. I, that I had a passion for that, I thought, yeah. too. So, you know, ultimately I'm, uh, I think that would have been the route I would have been. And, and to, I, I guess I serve the athletes and right. that way no, I would have served the, yeah, the country. So. I see a lot of those, those, um, similar characteristics between that servant leadership, whether it's military yeah. athletics. I think that's also why, uh, military and athletics like have so much crossover, right? Like when, when we meet people from yes. them in the military, people want to come and check out sports stuff. Yes, and the sports of course. guys all think the military is right. super cool. It's like, yeah. Well, not taking away from the sports world, but if you look at all the leadership everybody does, right. it's it's more or less yeah. military leadership, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's where it was found. You know, because yeah. I tell my kids, you know, we'll have speakers from the military come in. I'm like, guys, what we do is for a, is a game. Yeah. What they do, it's life and death. Right. There's a difference. Right. So you can't make mistakes that we make. You know what I mean? Right. So right. there, right. we we make mistakes, guys. We lose a game. We go home and we start over. Yeah. You know, so yeah, the, and the characteristics that you're able to develop, you know, they, there's leadership training in the military where you you're a 20 year old kid and that you're in charge of whatever this task or yeah. these amount of guys. And like you said, it could be life or death, but it, it's also kind of much more in practice than than it is in athletics i think there's that no makes question sense. Yeah. yeah there's no question um yeah it's it's you have to live it on a daily yeah. basis yeah, yeah. yeah for sure yeah. So. when i joke around i tell a lot of people that like if anybody that goes through like navy boot camp is all i can talk about but like 
they hammer you on folding your clothes and that where the edges of these things are and it's not to learn how to fold your clothes better right it's to pay attention to detail so that someone's head doesn't get blown off a flight deck or get knocked over the side and then you don't realize that like until you get out into your real job or whatever it is and you're like oh that's what it was for for, right it's the same thing with like (laughs) I, I, you know, the John Wooden story where he would have them learn to put their socks yeah, on and yeah. tie their shoes the right way. And do you think that wins you a national championship? No. It's the willingness to do that right. is what right. wins you the national <laughs> championship, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's that willingness to say, I'll do whatever it yeah. takes to win. Yeah. I mean, that's really what, you, yeah. what you're establishing, yeah. right, yeah. at that point. The, the, the socks, tying your shoes, sure, probably keeps you from getting blisters, right? right? right. But when you have people willing to do whatever it takes, if they have a blister, they were going to play anyway, right? right? right. But ultimately, you, it's, yeah. a, it's a process, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, you know, our society nowadays wants instant gratification. And as a strength coach, we know training is a process. Yeah. So, I mean, I have my kids 20-some weeks in the off-season, so you're like, there's a long process to where we want to yeah. get. And, it's it's hard because that, that whole process there's a reason for everything along the way and it's just not instant yeah. actually you made you know i have teams you know i got a lot of girls on national teams and they'll send testing out to us uh, hey she, she lost power from last year i'm like well yeah because i've been doing a fitness three-week protocol and then you tested her right, right. and that was at the end of the last summer yeah. i got 18 more weeks yeah. to train her yeah. to get her powerful i'm building yeah. a base yeah. like yeah. you know so you can't have everything all the time yeah. and you know what i mean that's why yeah. i think some people try to do everything all the time i want to be powerful and fit and right. it, there's a process here that we got to follow yeah. And, yeah. and we, we know this because it's in the nsca books right, <laughs> right, right. but right. but sometimes we want it all right yeah. away so oh, absolutely um about if you had a magic wand and you could get rid of any coaching practice, what would you eliminate? You know what? I, I definitely would eliminate the negative in regards to towards the athlete, if any negative coaching styles and any demeaning. Yeah. You know, I, I I mean, I'll ask hard questions. Like, son, you know, what you're saying to me is, is, is different than your actions. You know what I mean? And those are hard questions. Yeah. Kids don't like those nowadays, yeah. Yeah. but it's not demeaning. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I've never been like, I think my, maybe my last demeaning thing I said probably 20 years ago, 18 years. I didn't remember. Honestly, it was like, uh, you run like a girl. And I'm like, and I can't say that. Why, you know, right. why would I say that? Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Cause I mean, well, he was running way worse than most of my girls. Cause they were like, <laughs> they were fast and yeah. my athletic girls, you're like, and this guy, and I was just like, whatever. I can't say that anymore. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's, yeah. that's not something I should say because, but, but, uh, you know, and that was as a young coach, and obviously there's many worse things you could say to a kid, but sure. I think the negative, uh, because you know what, I don't know if you ever really get that kid back if, if you yeah. demean him yeah. to some level, right. and there's negative coaching, you know. Yeah. Um, like I say, they don't, they don't care what you know until they know that you care about them, let's be honest, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then when they know you care, yeah. you know, they, they'll give you great reviews, yeah. you know, yeah. that whole thing. Yeah, so. they'll run through walls for you. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's just more about is I think young coaches will they come in the room how are we getting started and you know what the conversations because as you 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 listen to all these experienced coaches it's about the relationships yeah, yeah. for sure and don't don't as a young coach you shouldn't miss that relationship with the kids yeah yeah because yeah. that's the best part of this right, whole thing right no that is the best part absolutely. absolutely I mean I like my kids more than some of the adults I deal yeah, with you know right, absolutely <laughs> oh my gosh for sure <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Um, all right, last question. How about name three people, living, dead, or fictional characters that you'd like to have dinner or conversation with? Um, I think uh, Musasha from the Book of Five Rings, a samurai warrior that meditated and wrote a book about uh, his 70, uh, 70 different uh, Mortal Kombat fights, like the state of mind he was in in regards to saying, hey, this guy's even better than me, but there's no doubt I'm going to win. In his mind, you know what I mean. Yeah, that yeah, mindset was yeah. amazing. Uh, Alexander Karelin, the great Russian heavyweight wrestler, that went decade uh, undefeated in international competition at that level. Of, you know, I think he wrestled Baumgartner and and all. I mean, there's. Some, yeah, yeah. I mean, that mindset of and you know what he grew up in limited resources. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean. And, and then um, I also I like MMA, so um, Fedor, obviously, uh, Emilienko, but I'd like to have a conversation with him to see that mindset yeah. of these, these great warriors. They're all great warrior yeah. men, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So um, that warrior mindset intrigues me yeah. to say, hey, um, this, is, this is what I would think. And yeah. they're special people, obviously. Right. So uh, um, you're ultimately sitting here going, yeah, those are, those are the people that actually intrigue me. So cool. that actually did it on the, the, the field, you know, yeah. maybe they weren't the generals that led people, yeah. which are also unbelievable people sure. to talk to. But the actual guy in the arena that's going yeah. at it and yeah. did it in, with great, great um, excellence. I mean, those are the ones that yeah. I would uh, I'd like to talk to. That's cool. Uh, you could get some serious insight. Into yes. Yes. Mindset and toughness. Right. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you taking a uh, time out to uh, do this podcast. We'll get back down, sneak back down to the hockey clinic. Hopefully no one will notice we uh, snuck out. Awesome. <laughs> thanks for having me. I appreciate right. it. You're doing, you a great, you're doing a great job. Thanks. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.